Welcome to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce with Cindy Stibbard. Cindy is ready to have those candid and unfiltered conversations so you know how to move forward in your marriage. You'll hear inspiring and insightful discussions surrounding this taboo subject to help you feel confident in your decision. Now, here's your host, Cindy Stibbard. Hey, hey, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Divorce Redefined, Changing the Experience of Divorce. I'm your host, Cindy Stibbard. For those of you new to my podcast, welcome. I'm a certified divorce coach, certified divorce specialist, and trained relationship decision coach. I'm a single mother of two teenagers who went through divorce myself over five years ago, which launched me on this path of creating the kind of support that I wish I had when I was going through it myself. And now I'm on a lifelong journey to redefining myself, my purpose, and my mission to change the experience of divorce for others. Finding and maintaining relationships can be really challenging. You know, you've probably been in one or a few of your your own. But what happens when the relationship you're in begins to look like the previous one, and then maybe the previous one before that, and then maybe the one before that? Have you ever reflected on why you are attracted to the same kind of person over and over again? Some people marry their childhood sweethearts and live happily ever after. Some people stay in unhealthy long-term relationships their entire lives. Some people have several karmic relationships for important lessons to learn and wounds to heal. Some people never fall into relationships at all. Whatever the scenario, there is a reason behind it. For those of you who find yourself stuck in a pattern of attracting the same kind of partner over and over and those relationships don't work out, that is what we're going to dive into today. So I'm really excited to introduce to you my guest today. Katie May Webb is a mindset coach and mentor who specializes in helping powerhouse women experience their relationships as they truly desire. In overcoming her own difficulties in her relationships and marriage, she found that the process of healing herself exposed that vulnerability, which was the true superpower she had been rejecting within herself all along. Katie's background in human and family development almost led her on the path to becoming a marriage and family therapist when she discovered the world of coaching and ended up finding her true life's calling. Welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited. I love talking about this. I'm like so jazzed. <laughs> yeah, I know. Me too. And when we just talked about it the other day in my Facebook group, this was like so powerful. I, even I had so many learning moments in there when we talked about emotional addictions and how patterns show up that I was like, oh my God, light bulb moment for me too. Awesome. Yeah. And I love that. I want our viewers to, our viewers, my audience to know how to, how we met. Cause I think that how we met was like this karmic alignment. (laughs) We went down to Arizona last fall to this awesome well, women and wealth conference, I guess you can say summit put on by Kenny Valentino. I'll pump her here because I think she's amazing. And you and I first met on that first morning and you're like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a divorce coach. Really? I'm a marriage and relationship coach. Boom. We're so aligned already. And I think from there, we just, you know, connected and ended up having this great few days of hearing inspiring stories of other women and um, realized that we can support each other with how we're supporting others in this world on our journey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I mean, you can't. <laughs> 
you can't do the work we do. You know, whether it's like you know, like your focus is divorce, my focus is marriage at that point in time, right? And it's like at some at, at this point when I'm and and I'm niching down in the sense of actually I'm broadening um my who I work with in the sense of we help support women in the most important things of their lives and their is their relationships. But yeah. most mostly it's their relationships with themselves. And that's reflected outward, regardless of what relationship they're in, right? Yeah. So we can't help but bond over that. (laughs) I know, I know. And I think I hear it over time and time again, like the deeper I get into this, this area and even into myself, like it always comes down to that common factor of we need to pour into ourselves, which I think as women, we have been conditioned for years not to do. I love to see that this is shifting because I hope that this is a shift in my daughter that I'm really trying to create for her. So her mindset and her conditioning can be changed and we can break that pattern. But it truly is true. I mean, I'm going to be 50 in a couple of years, but I can't believe I'm finally realizing the importance of how it's it's key to my relationships outside myself starts yeah. with my relationship inside myself first. Yes. Yeah. Oh no, for sure. It's such a, it's such a weird mindset shift, right? That we're just, I mean, and I don't know, like I was brought up in a church, in the church, if, especially women who are brought up in any kind of religious standpoint, you know, we're like, we're die to self is like over and over again. Right. And it's like, okay, but we miss such an important component in that is like, your most important relationship was with God. And these are for women who have, you know, identify with spiritual or relationship with God, whatever it is. But it's, it's, we are taught to be, and just women as a whole taught to be good for other people, Mm -hmm. right? You're such a good daughter. You're such a good like sister. Oh, you did this for him. And so you're so good. And so like, we literally just as a society, I feel like across the board, we get this message that you are only as valuable as other people see you. Right. Right. And it's, um, I mean, it's so funny because what I do and so much of my content is based off of the women. I'm working with women who are dissatisfied in their current marriages, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the first, the biggest kickback I get is like, why do I have, why are you not coaching him too? Why am I just doing, <laughs> why do you just work with a woman, Katie? And I was like, well, first of all, I don't know if you guys have a, had any experience. I'm not a big fan of the couple's marriage therapy model at all whatsoever. It didn't mm. work for my husband and I, and it has not worked for many. Um, when the real fire, the real prog- progress happens is when you're doing your own deep work on yourself. Right. And he's doing his own deep work on himself. And that's when the magic absolutely happens. And so I I go into this because that's exactly what I talk to these women about is like, you cannot control him. You cannot control his side of the fence at all. But can you honestly look at me and tell me that you love how you're showing up each and every day in your relationship? Right. On you. If you just removed him completely, can you say that you're totally thrilled with your responses, your communication? just your life in general, right? Are you living a joyful life? Like, and just that question in and of itself is like, what if you just focused on you bringing joy into your life, healing from past trauma? If you focus in on those things, what if everything you really wanted and needed in your life would just come? Yeah. And it, right. it does. It abs- That's the power of actually putting yourself first in that moment, not putting yourself first in a selfish, nope, everybody, you know, it's all about me and what I want. It's putting yourself first in the most important way of self-care. It's not many petties, but 
your own emotional healing and knowing yourself to that like deep core. And then you can have awesome relationships with everyone, right? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that the distinguishing factor too. Cause I, I often think like we talk so much about self-care and I hear about this, this manny, this petty. I mean, to me, like that's maintenance. That's not self-care. Like this is the yes. stuff that I have to do minimum to myself at a <laughs> minimum level. Like it's almost a chore to have to make these appointments yes. for myself to keep myself where at a standard I want. I mean, that's not self-care and we don't need a plane or an ex- a fancy Airbnb or, you know, to be in a boat, you know, with champagne for that to be self-care. I truly believe that self-care is coming from within us. We actually don't need anything outside of us and it doesn't cost us anything to actually participate in true self-care. Yes. 100%. Yeah. Totally agree. So when you are working with these women, let's go down that path of, you know, how do you open them up to start to see their role in a relationship? Because I know that sometimes, I mean, first of all, they obviously know there is one for them to come to you in the first place, because a lot of people who aren't willing to take accountability, (laughs) oh yeah, true, (laughs) true, can't see that they have a role to play or that like that coaching or therapy or whatever it is, is not for them because they don't have the problem. Right. Well, it's it's funny you say that because like when I say some, like women will come to me and they'll say like all I like some will say I I'm open to accountability. I'm open to there being a part that I have. I just don't know what it is if I have one. Right. And um, that was very much me in my own relationship <laughs> because it was like, of course, all his fault. Hello. Uh, And I always (laughs) tell every woman out there, like, if that's how you feel, that's your first red flag that you have a major blind spot because it is there's always two parts, right? In Mm -hmm. every relationship. And this isn't to give I mean, if, if you're in a toxic or abusive relationship. This isn't to give weight of you staying in it and working through that. That's no, I just want to put that disclaimer out there now Mm -hmm. um, because that is, there's no way of changing that no matter how much work you do on yourself. But uh, in the sense of when it comes to like women come to me and say, Hey, like, I I don't know what my problem is. This is, I, 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 she'll give me a laundry list of all the things they think are wrong and they all are very much him centered. And the second I go, well, how do you respond to that? Mm -hmm. What's well, how, Oh, you, you've told him that you're dissatisfied in these areas, but how have you communicated those things? Right. And that's when we really break it down and get into the nitty gritty of just overall how they're communicating. And see, most women will say, like, I want better communication with my spouse. And what they're saying is I want him to communicate better with me because as women, we seek connection through communication. And men just don't, right? Mm-hmm. And so I always love kind of niching, getting down into like, how are you communicating? Because as women also, we have the tendency to think that we are so much better communicators. Right. Because we talk so much more, right? But in almost all the cases, I can tell you that like three key components come into play is when you have a situation where a woman is not getting the desired results from her husband, when she is saying she is communicating her needs and they're not being met, they're almost always complaining, criticizing, or competing. Those are the three C's of communication that I always say. If you're ever communicating in one of those three ways, he's not going to hear you and nothing will motivate him no matter what dude you're with. Oh, that's so powerful. So let's say that again. So the three C's of communication. Yeah, it's criticizing, uh, uh, criticizing, complaining, and uh, competing. 
Wow. Or, or that can be competing or comparison because that can be a little bit of both, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And I do, I do a whole training on it, but fun, like, it's so funny because I was just listening to uh, Jay Shetty on a podcast mm-hmm. and um, I don't know him. So I'm not. Oh my God. Cool, I love him. <laughs> I was just listening to him and he said that he quoted his time with the monks and they said that like three of the worst ways to communicate were those three things. And I was like, like no way so anyways I just had to say that because I was pretty excited about that but that is that's awesome that's so (laughs) true true. (laughs) yeah I have a huge crush on Jay Shetty but um I think also we can't honestly sit there as any human being and say like I've never done those three things oh no especially when you're communicating with an intimate partner right like we are all guilty of that and if if you it's like red well, I wouldn't say like green light, like it's a green light. It's like, that's how it breaks down. Exactly. One of those three things is exactly why your communication is not working. And if you aren't looking at yourself, because you're right, we can't change the other person. We can't make them communicate better so that we communicate better. But if we start to shift our patterns, it shifts the other side. And, you know, I've played with this a lot myself with dealing with my former spouse. The moment I started to put those walls down and use and really pinpoint on those three C's that you're saying and catch myself in ways like, wait, like, you know, you know, you're texting and you're like, okay, no, no, delete, delete, delete. Let's like reword that for a second so that it's not hook. It doesn't trigger. It's not going to hook. Yeah. There's no first draft. Exactly. Uh, and that release it, release it because we cause so much of those issues ourselves without even really noticing it because we're triggered. We're pissed off. We want to be heard. We're like, why are you such an asshole? Why are you being difficult? You know, or maybe even the opposite and you're avoiding conflict. Mm. And so you're, this is a really common one with complaining. So like, I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. I have so much going on. I need this, 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 and this done. And I don't know what to do. And all he's hearing is you're complaining or complaining or complaining. You're not actually coming forward saying how you're feeling, which is overwhelmed. You overbooked yourself. You need help please help me. I need this done. Would you be willing to do this? That's open, vulnerable communication versus complaining because you feel like if you ask and he lets you down, well, now you're, now you're, now you're wounded. You feel hurt. Or if you ask, you don't feel like you should have to ask and you don't want to risk starting a conflict because you know you overloaded your schedule to begin with. And it's not his necessarily problem in that, in that case that we're using then you could be using it as a, as a way to avoid conflict altogether. So I'll just complain and hope the white knight shows up for me. And it almost never happens that way. Right. Oh, that's so, so true. And we tend to do that just naturally because we're overloaded. And so the way we communicate that is through a complaint, which just is like, why aren't you seeing how much I have on my plate? Why aren't you helping me instead of shifting that around and saying, Hey, I feel overloaded and then telling your partner what you need and like allowing them to shine in that moment for you. If you can't tell them what you need, I think I saw this with uh, John and Julie Gottman once, you know, like the way that couples show the, the successful couples are the ones that when they're feeling that overwhelm and instead of criticizing or complaining, they say, I use an I statement first, I'm feeling overwhelmed, for example. Mm I need help with driving the kids or doing lunches or doing the laundry. Would it be, would you be able to whatever it is you need and allow them to like shine for you? I don't know very many people who likely wouldn't come around if you approached it in a different way. 
Right. Well, I mean, and that's kind of a good um, kind of consensus as to where you're at in your relationship. You know, if you can't Mm. sit there and you can't honestly, again, tone is very important. Timing is also very important in these conversations. So if you can't sit there and honestly be vulnerable with your spouse and ask them for help and they're not willing to help you, I mean, that's kind of a good telltale sign of like where your relationship is at and, um, you know, who you're married to at that point. But um, and I know for me, uh, and this is why I work with powerhouse women is because we're used to taking, you know, the reins, we're used to just doing it all so much. And so so much of our own problem is where we shoot ourselves in the foot is because we end up doing all of the things he doesn't see it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even he doesn't even see it. It's like a ghost is doing all of these things. And yeah. so he has no way of understanding the mental load that we carry as women And we resent them and hate them for this versus understanding it's just a difference that we're actually contributing to. And it all starts with the fact that we just do, do, do. And when it comes down to vulnerability, we don't really want to do that. So we skip that part and then resent him for not showing up in a better way. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Right. Or not reading our minds or, you know, you've been with me so long. How do you not know by now? I know I was definitely guilty of all that. I was assuming that you should just know me better. You know, instead of realizing that he's not a mind reader. And in fact, everything that I'm dealing with, he's not even remotely on his radar. (laughs) Right. They're not quite there. On the mind reading scale, too. I just love that because it's like I I want every woman out there to just get that crap out of your head right now. It does not matter how long you guys have been married. He cannot read your mind. Like it's just just get over it. You will always have to ask. You will have to communicate your needs. And we need to make friends with this idea. It needs to be the normal, healthy thing to do and stop expecting people to know what you need, anticipate your needs because that crap's just not real. You know, it's not, it's not healthy. And then we tend to disappoint ourselves because we have these expectations that then we're disappointed by because they're not following through and no one wins. So it's like, you're not getting the relationship you want. You're not getting the connection you want. He's not getting the satisfied, happy wife he wants. I mean, everyone's losing in that. Yeah. So yes, 100%. I have the counterpart because you can't say what not to do. You got to fix it. So on the I statement, see the I statements, I still manage to mess up with my own relationship. Uh, Cause I could like, I feel really hurt because I mm. feel like you really let me down because I, <laughs> and which may be true, but I also could just really twist it back on to like, it's all really your fault. So I always, my own method is the OBS method and I can do a whole training on that. But the first part is you own your part. And I like OBS because it sounds like, oh, bullshit. So whenever you're in a conversation where you want to be like, oh, BS, you remember this. So first is own your part. And that's coming to them saying, hey, I overloaded my schedule. I messed up. Like I should have included you on my planning to begin with. And now I'm in this crazy like spot and I I desperately need help. And the next part is the B is benefit of the doubt. You give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not this horrible monster that is fine with seeing you stressed out. And hey babe, I, I know, I know you you don't want to just watch me go nuts. This is not good for you. Love me or a great man. And the next part is uh seek to understand, hey, how um can I please get some can I get some help with this, that, and this? And and how can I understand you and your perspective of all this, how we can move forward from a better perspective so this doesn't keep happening. 
how, mm. like help me understand you and your point of view here. Right. And that's the counterpart to the three C's. That's huge. And being able to hold space to actually listen and understand their point of view, you know, and not argue with it. Cause I find that sometimes yeah. they'll be like, but that's not what I said. Well, that's not what I mean. And that's not yeah. like, that's not how like I see it, yep. you know, and it can spin yeah. into this whole other. Oh yeah. My favorite, my favorite thing to do that was so unhealthy was it doesn't make sense. Like I'm so, I'm so black and white. And so it's like, if he could not articulate his feelings as well as I could, or to make me make sense of what he's saying, it was like, it didn't count for me. Right. So it was yeah. like, no, that actually doesn't matter. Cause it doesn't make sense to me. It's like, wow, that's so messed up. <laughs> that's not okay. <laughs> um, but the, yeah, that like, again, we're guilty of all of this. And I, I always tell everyone, I'm like, I don't do this from a place of superiority. I do this from a place of active practicing. Like I've learned a lot of my own mistakes in my marriage, um, and through helping other women in their marriages. And so it's like, yeah, girl, I've been guilty of like all of this stuff. So <laughs> totally. I mean, we all have. And I, I like that. I actually think it takes almost like a divorce or a breakdown of your relationship for you to have these eye-opening oh, yeah. experiences or epiphanies of like, oh, I do need to learn some skills in order for us to do this relationship better. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that going back to kind of the original point of where we're talking about is focusing on yourself, the power of that. When I have women come to me saying um, that, they they're on the verge of divorce. I I actually look at that as like that's a beautiful place to be because what do you have to lose? So right, let's right. just focus in on you sis and you're going to live the life like you really want to live that you have in the back of your head somehow this relationship is keeping you from and we're going to knock down all those limiting beliefs and just get you to focus in on how you've been showing up in ways you don't want to show up. And guess what? Worst case scenario, you get a divorce and you're already considering it. And mm -hmm. and and even still, you're going to go through that process so much healthier and so much better because you've done all this work on yourself versus the latter, right? Of yeah. just weighing your options. And then best case scenario, he sees you make really, you're making these changes. You're, you're owning your own part. You're becoming more self-aware. You're communicating more effectively. And as a result, if he's a healthy individual who truly cares about you, he'll have no other choice, but to also do those same things mm -hmm. and he'll be motivated to do them. But again, that's not the case for everyone. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's so, so true. And so what's the success do you see? Like when, let's say a woman comes to you and she is struggling on the on the fence and you give her some of these tools to now apply to her situation, what changes do you see happening? Oh, it's like, it's bananas. Like, <laughs> I bet. I mean, it's, it's really cool. Well, in the real, like the ultimate, like great relationships where the guy really does care for her, but just has no idea, like, how to fix this. Like he's so lost in this as well. Um, like I just talked to a client the other day and we're only like three sessions in and she was t telling me all about this stuff on like, I I'm so pissed. I just do everything. It all falls on me. I can't tell you how many women say this. Like it all falls on me. I'm so tired of this. And, and when we really broke it down to, okay, in childhood, she was not allowed to express her needs at all. 
Like they were like, no, 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 no. You don't get to have needs. Like we're too busy with our own emotional garbage. And she was only there to take care of her siblings. And she was only there to uh, pick up the pieces that her parents fell. And so she operated in her marriage that same way of, I must just keep everything going all the time. So it wasn't that everything fell on her. It was that she picked everything up. And that's that's true for anybody in this who's feeling this. not your necessarily your childhood background, but in the case of it all falls on you, nothing is on you that you're not holding on to. Right. And so when we really dug down deep into that and I said, well, and she had this belief of like, I just don't feel like I should have to ask. This is regular BS. This is stuff he knows needs to happen around the house. Like we both have kids. He's a grown ass man. How many times have we heard that? And so why can't he do this stuff? And so when I said, hey, what would it look like if you just normalized having to ask and you came to him vulnerably and letting him know how you feel and you implemented the communication tactic that we just went over with him in advance, knowing, hey, we got this big trip coming up and this is all of my feelings and I just need some help. Like, where do you see yourself coming in? And she messaged me like a week later and was like, Katie. He did all of it. I didn't, and I didn't even ask. I just, I was vulnerable with him and I told him how I was feeling and everything that you and I were working through. And I gave him some insight into why I do what I do, like just sharing with him what she's learning about herself. And I came home and the freaking list was writ. He wrote the list. He had my kids. He called my parents. It, It was like a light bulb. And so it's, it's seriously like, it's surprising now. Now look, they're going to have their ups and downs. It's marriage, right? It's not Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's going to be just smooth sailing from here on out. Right. It's like, no, but you can make some serious progress in a very short amount of time with just learning more about yourself and properly communicating with your spouse. And if he really is worth sticking around for, you'll see it, you know? Yeah. That's so huge. We totally underestimate the power of our own communication. Yeah. You know, if it can, if it can create drama, it also can take drama away. <laughs> well, and that's so important too, because I have so many women when the whole like, well, why doesn't he have to communicate better? Why do I have to communicate? And it was like, it all really just comes back down to, are you getting what you want, mm-hmm. which is no in this moment. And then it too is, are you outside looking in, looking at yourself, are you being the person you really want to be in that moment? And if the answer is no again, then what's the what do you have to lose by learning how to effectively communicate and stepping into the person you already really truly want to be? Yeah. That's for you. That's not for him. You're not doing this work for him. You're doing this work for you and it's invaluable. Like it's going to it translates throughout your entire life. It's so, so key. And I think like these skills are what should be taught of our, like our, to our kids when they're young, like yes. how to communicate your needs yes. because it is so powerful because it doesn't just apply to our, our intimate relationships, but our friendships, even our kids, like the way that Absolutely. I use these strategies that you're talking about, not only with my current partner, but also with my kids and the way that they respond to me is so much different when I'm not nagging at them and complaining to them, just like you would your, your spouse. You know, they are much more open to helping you out and being a team player and and listening where they don't feel like they're being belittled and, and, you know, dumped on all the time. Absolutely. I mean, that's what I mean. It translates. You learn this. The cool part about like whether you're whether you're 
in the midst of a divorce, because I know that's most of your, your mm-hmm. listeners, or if you're on the aftermath of it, um, the cool part about all of this, and when I say cool, I mean what you can use to your benefit is really evaluate that relationship because no matter what it was, it's an opportunity to use as a mirror. Mm-hmm. Like nothing can make you learn more about yourself than a marriage. Right. If you if you allow it, if you if you truly allow it, and I do to this day, I mean, and and being a parent, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, big time. <laughs> but yeah. yes, if you allow it, it can be one of the greatest tools that you use to live your best life, irregardless of the outcome of the marriage. You still had this relationship and it still revealed really important parts about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's so key to take this as a learning opportunity. So many people don't. So many people tend to play either like the victim where, oh, I was left. It wasn't clearly had nothing to do with me. It was all them. They had a midlife crisis or whatever it is left for someone else, but not seeing that, okay, this is an opportunity for me to learn about me because marriages don't break down I mean, maybe some, I mean, that's not true. I've have, I have had heard of a couple where they're so blindsided. They had no idea how they were contributing, you know, in terms of like, there was a really short marriage of a girlfriend of mine. She was left like overnight within like nine months of them getting married. She had no clue. So yes, there are exceptions to every rule, but I think that it takes a relationship to get to a certain place where it breaks down. It doesn't just, it doesn't break overnight. It's eroding over time with the way that the two of you are together. But these also come from, you know, our childhood patterns, like when we talked to the other last week, you know, really the way that we are in our relationships, who we're choosing, why we're choosing them is because of a stem from our childhood. So let's get into that because you said some things that were like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, it's just that because um, I also work with women who are trying not to repeat the same you know, the same thing over and over again. Right. And like you alluded to earlier on in the, in the beginning of the podcast, it's, um, it's not, well, it's not a secret. The statistics speak for themselves is that, you know, the second, the second marriage is even has higher odds of failing and so on and so forth. Right. And well, why is that? Well, it's because actually, usually what will happen is you will go out and you will attract the same type of person. If you do not do this work that we're speaking of right now, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't take a minute and learn about this, what what about yourself needs work, healing? I mean, growth and healing from trauma is just like a lifelong pursuit, honestly. Yeah. Um, and that's what I've discovered too, because it's like, it's there, it's never like a destination. It's just- It's, it's not just, over. It's never it's over. Just, it's, just, <laughs> it's a lifelong journey. And um, there's so much, so many layers and so much beauty in it, but every new life experience brings something new. Here's the thing is, um, and a really important thing that I always like tell my clients is ask yourself what emotion you remember feeling the most as a child. Mm-hmm. What, what emotion you felt the most as a child will be naturally what you try to recreate for yourself in adulthood. And it will be completely subconscious. So like, as we talked about in the training, right, is, um, you know, 
10, only 10% of us are, are, are of ourselves is running on a conscious level effort every day. Mm-hmm. And so the rest of our days and the rest of ourselves and our communication is being driven by our subconscious, which is this massive 90, 95% of everything else. Right. Right. So if you've got this subconscious tendency to create chaos in your life, because that's what you were used to as a kid, that's what your brain has been trained as homeostasis for you. That's psychological term, but it's just basically like that's home. That's, that's where I live. So you're going to feel angst in a relationship that feels like good. Mm -hmm. And so you'll kick it up a notch and you'll start fights. You'll pick fights because even though you don't want to on a conscious level, you also don't want to be without that chaos or that angst on that deeper level. And that deeper level is going to kick the crap out of your conscious every time if you don't become aware of it and start doing the healing work that needs to come along to actually resolve it. That is so, it, it, that is just so deep in terms of that level of awareness. Cause when you had us do that exercise, I mean, there are, there are a number of different emotions that I think that I, that come up for me. And I know that, you know, guilt is one of them for some reason I live, oh, I yeah. feel like I live on guilt. I'm trying to let that go, That's but so it was good. one of those things where I think somehow I'm always addicted to feeling guilty about whatever it is. Even when I don't think I necessarily have a role to play in it, I feel bad or feel guilty that someone's felt this way or this happened and it's probably my fault. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the other thing was the emotional unavailability. So when you talked about how we end up choosing a partner that actually embodies the qualities that we are trying to avoid. Yeah. Because we don't realize that we're that those are the ones that are actually comfortable for us. Yes. Um so in my own story, um uh, my uh, my my dad was not a bad dad. He was just emotionally unavailable. He did not know how to be there emotionally for us really much at all. He was a cop. He was pretty hard, pretty, you know, straight to the point. Um, he tell us he loved us and like he was there, but again, emotionally for me as a kid, not really meeting my needs. And then the only other male experience I had was my brother who was very toxic and abusive to me as a young child. And so I made it a point to make sure I would never marry anyone like my dad. Mm. No, like, Mm -hmm. no, because is is yes, my parents are still married. Like, and guys, I'm, I'm telling you this because I want you to view your own childhood. I can't tell you how many people say I don't have any trauma. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh, Oh my gosh, this is so dangerous. Like, because (laughs) everyone has, whether it's big Mm -hmm. T or little T and your parents were amazing people. Right. And I still love my parents. We have great, a great relationship. We are a white middle-class, you know, family growing up in America. Like, I mean, looking inside out, like you wouldn't think I'd have any trauma either. Right. I mean, how many how many siblings beat up their younger siblings? That's just normal, right? Right. No, it's bullshit. It's not normal. It's It impacts us individually differently. It takes mm-hmm. two. There's mm-hmm. no perfect parent out there. So no matter how awesome they are, they cause some kind of trauma in your life. That's just facts. Yeah. You get to decide if you're going to look into that. And this is, an, I think, another key piece I really want to touch on in just getting to that healing point is um, so many people I talked to and myself included for years live from the stance of I'm not going to be ruled by my trauma. So screw that. 
yeah, it happened, but I'm not, I'm not even going back there because it's, it has no place in my life. Right. And here's the danger in that is because that's where your, that's where the trauma takes hold. That's where it's running you. That's where like me, I went out and found an emotionally unavailable husband. (laughs) So he didn't have the characteristics like my dad. He seemed more friendly and bubbly and fun. But guess what? I never dated my dad. I was in a romantic relationship with my dad. I didn't know any of that, right? You don't see them as they are as husbands. You see them Mm -hmm. as they relate to you. And then also a little mix of my brother and him as well. Even though I thought for sure I was choosing somebody who was not like that. And that's exactly what I ended. That's what I ended up doing. That is so I didn't true. do any of that work beforehand, right? Yeah. It's like you just sweep that under the rug and it's going to be there haunting you in your closet the whole time. Like my story is so yep. similar to yours too. I mean, I love my dad. My parents are not together. Um, but he was always really emotionally unavailable. If you're listening, I love you, dad. I do. But it, this is how it impacted me. And, you know, if we... It was all about performance for love in my family. You know, if we did anything, you know, wrong with my dad's belongings or that type of thing, then we would have the silent treatment for three days or whatever it was. Like it would just be like the stone cold emotional unavailability. And I remember even as a kid, I would, whatever it was, I can't even remember now so many examples to make him upset and shut me, shut me out. I would write letters to him explaining my feelings and put them under his bedroom door because he'd go in there and slam the door. And I look back and I'm like, oh, but that's normal. And now I realize that was trauma. <laughs> but but also how we never resolved anything. Like even from there, me sharing my feelings and my emotions to, with him, it never got resolved. It would just be enough time has passed where now he, I guess he can talk to me, you know? And so I did in my mind, I thought there's no way I am going to marry anyone like my father. I actually moved out early on because I desperately wanted my parents to get divorced. And I told them when I was 50 and I sat them down and I said, you guys suck together. <laughs> it's really bad. And I had three younger siblings, two two brothers and a sister. And I just knew like this environment was toxic. My dad worked away for two weeks at a time, would come home and it was just a disaster. There's so much fighting. Nobody could communicate really well. It was so, so tense. And I said, you guys need to get a divorce. And if you don't get a divorce by the time I'm 18, I'm moving out. And so I'm giving you like two weeks. Let me know what you think. (laughs) So I came back to them because they ignored. Well, I think they just dismissed it a little bit. Came back to them and I said, okay, what are you going to do? Because I really do want to know what I need to start planning for in my future. I mean, I was kind of that adult type person in my Obviously, mind when I was yeah. younger. And um, my, I remember my mom saying, well, you know, it's better that we stay together for you guys. And I said, that is a terrible idea. Yeah. Just so you know, I am going to be moving out when I'm 18. I mean, three years later, I totally did it. I left them all behind, which is a whole nother you know, comes with a lot of guilt and trauma there too, <laughs> leaving them behind. Yeah. But I realized at that time, I did not want to marry anyone like my dad. And so when I ended up meeting my ex-husband, like you say, your, you know, your ex-husband was like on the outside, nothing the same. You know, I was so distracted by all of the shiny objects and like the different lifestyle and the the, the personality that was so different that it seemed so different on the outside. But then as we got into the depth of a relationship, the emotional unavailability was exactly the same. Literally couldn't speak about how I felt yep. without just him looking at me like I was 
not, or I was speaking Greek or not having a clue how to respond or not responding or getting defensive or stonewalling and be like, I can't talk about this, or this is too much for me. Or, you know, it, it was literally nothing to the point where I'd be like, oh my God, I, I think like I married my dad. And then I would avoid that until we got divorced. And I went to therapy and my therapist says, you know, that you married your father. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, I did. That's I such did. a good pill to swallow. Isn't it? It's like, <laughs> come on. I was so intentional. I was so intentional not to do that. Yeah. But that's why we're talking about this because so many people out there are like, well, then how do you freaking know? You know, mm-hmm. like how do you even going out after and being intentional? Like, I don't want to marry my ex again. And then you end up marrying your ex again or in a relationship with your ex again. It takes doing this deep inner work and getting very aware of this stuff in your life and how it impacted you so that you can fight against your trauma triggers. Because here's what happens earlier on. I know you and I have talked about this, so I'll share from my perspective. Earlier on in my relationship, and hindsight's always 2020, I can look back and I can say, um, you know, there were flags. There were plenty of flags, right? But those flags were actually what I, my, my subconscious wanted. Mm, Yeah. So because I was so unaware of that, right. It's like when he, when he didn't put me first, when he was emotionally unavailable, when he showed me who he truly was in those times, right. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, oh, that is definitely not who I want to be with. Right. I said, oh, but the good, there's so many Mm -hmm. other good things about Mm -hmm. him. I'm just going to look past those flags because these things outweigh all of it. But in all reality, my subconscious was running the show because I truly desired. I desired that emotion again, that that angst, that feeling of not being, am I worthy? Am I not loved? That emotional distance and that chaos that brought to me that was feeding that very thing that I actually craved on a deeper level because I didn't break that cycle because I didn't go to therapy. I didn't work with a coach yet, you know? So um, that's how you, that's how you tell the difference, right? Is you've got to get so, so self-aware and be so aware of how your childhood upbringing shaped you. And here's the good news for you guys all listening to this. It's not it's not a death sentence. It's not a life sentence is what I mean, right? It's it's just because you become aware of your past. This is what can set you free. This mm-hmm. is when you can actually start to make changes of yourself, of your personality, which is a a a, a a mix of trauma bonds and everything in your life, right? It's like that you've called your personality for so long and you get to go, oh, no, that's not me. I don't want to be that way anymore. But you can actually start to make changes in yourself because you have now done that work. Yeah. And you won't be attracted to those people anymore. Yeah. Like you just plain out will see it a mile away and be like, oh, oh no. Like I'll I'll talk to to some women too. And they're in this, um, they, they talk about like trauma bonding, which Mm -hmm. is again, what we're talking about right here is where you are literally attracted to somebody uh, from a traumatic space, like from a place of trauma. Mm -hmm. And so it's the fireworks and the like, oh my gosh, I just don't know what it is. I can't explain it. It's just this, like, I have to have him. I have to be with him even though there are these other things that are not good about him or not good about our relationship. I just have to be with him. And that's what they talk about being trauma bonded, right? 
And so versus the, I don't know, he's great. He checks all my boxes. He's good on paper. He's great to me. He's attractive. I just don't feel it. Like he's right. just kind of blah. He's kind of boring. And it's like, that's your first go-to of you got some work to do because that safe, mm. awesome man who's checking all your boxes is boring to you for a reason, sis. And yeah. it is not a healthy one. Yes. And so we can self-sabotage that yep. too, right? Because Absolutely. we are looking for that, that chaos and that like mm -hmm. that trauma that you're saying. So a trauma bond, explain that a little bit. Cause I always find that so intriguing with people when we talk about trauma bonds. So what is that when two people connect over going through a similar trauma, traumatic experience or how does a trauma bond form? So it can be. And first of all, I have to tell everyone here, I'm not like a psychologist. This is all just coming from my own like studies and <laughs> my own knowledge of listening to this stuff too. Um, but um, there's a psycho, I'm going to forget her name. I'm going to have to, because I, I hate quoting people without knowing their name. I'm going to have to write you back. Um, there's a psychiatrist who's, who specializes, psychologist who special, specializes in working with narcissistic people and relationships, right? Um, and so she talks about the trauma bonding being just like what I suggested. So to what you're alluding to is like, oh my gosh, we were on our first date and we went in a car, we got in a car accident. It was just like this huge, you know, rush of adrenaline. And so we shared an experience that no one else has with us. And so, yes, that can be very much a trauma bond. Mm -hmm. Now, another, another way of the trauma bond is just like what I explained earlier is just as simple as your own trauma wounds are attracted to that trauma wound. Mm -hmm. So, okay, I'll just break it down for you real quick with me and my own husband, right? Is um, my, my, my father was my grow up upbringing. We debated constantly. It was like, we verbally just went at it right all the yeah. time. Whereas, so there was lots of conflicts, door slamming, stuff like that in my home. Whereas my husband grew up with, um, it would explode, but then everything would just die down and everyone would just sweep it under the rug and nothing happened. Nobody talks about it, like very much kind of like what you were talking about, right? Mm -hmm. And like, no, we don't have conflict. Like everything's great. Like, what are you talking about? We don't know. And so that was his experience, right? Well, so we meet and here's the thing. His mom is a powerhouse, take charge woman, um, breadwinner of the family. And He's attracted to me. Mm. So, <laughs> but, but now he is really seeming to be soft and gentle and caring and funny. And I'm looking at this from this perspective of I'm being attracted to him in the sense of actually he's very emotionally distant. So he was attracted to me because I was a lot like his, his mom and trauma wounds of being, I was controlling. I mm. was manipulative. Whereas I also was very, um, I could come out and be very verbal, right? Which he absolutely hated. Right. But I was attracted to him because he was emotionally distant and didn't really know how to be there for my own emotions. And so literally our, tra our trauma from childhood attracted and bonded to each other. Right. As dysfunctional as we were as a couple, and even though we broke up and got back together and broke up and got back together, we still ended up getting married. Because we just couldn't explain it. We just had to be with each other. Mm. We just fit better than anyone else, right? Yes. That's trauma. That's a trauma bond. Right. That's so powerful to be able to look at it that way, you know, yeah. to really look at your own patterns and how your other, your partner's patterns are showing up for them. And when you start to, when you start to really identify that in yourself, and then you start to choose 
otherwise in a next relationship. Like my current relationship is very different than my marriage. And I think because he's bringing all the things I actually truly want that I've never had, like the emotional availability, the, the communication, like he's way more emotional than I'm used to many men being in fact, that I noticed myself at the beginning putting like a little bit of a wall up. Cause I was like, Whoa, yeah. settle down. Like, I want you to talk to me, but I don't want you to talk to me that much. <laughs> and yeah. so I noticed that it was like, I would start to pull back when he started giving me all the things I actually wanted. But because I was so not used to having someone give me what I wanted, I was pushing it away, you know, or not really holding space that I should or responding to it or receiving it even in a, in a healthy way, because I was like, Whoa, wait a second. These are all things I want, but I don't know how to accept them from you. Yeah. Cause you're literally, you're asking, and this is why I, I tell women who are out in the dating field right now too, is just like, make a list of the, the guy you want, the characteristics, attributes, all the things you want, be as selfish as you want. And then we'll edit it down a little bit, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but in that, in the, in the regards of the most important things to you, their value system, their communication, like, are they emotionally aware? Are they open to growth? Are they willing to see a coach and therapy? All of these things, Right. Um, and, and then when you start to get those things and you start to feel uncomfortable with them, that's your flag right there is like, oh my gosh, like, just like you explain, it's like, you want these things on a conscious educated level. You're like, mm -hmm. yes, I know what's good for me on a conscious level, but our subconscious comes up and goes, no, that feels weird. Right. Like, that's not Okay. That all comes back to that trauma bond, right? Is like, even though I'm getting what I really truly want and I know is really good for me, what's going to rule my conscious or my subconscious? And so when we do the work of identifying, okay, for me, my world was chaos. So if there wasn't chaos, I would create it. And it was just like looking like, okay, I'm going to be really stressed out before this flight. And I'm going to yell and scream and run around, you know, crazed because that's just what you freaking did when you, when we grew up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I created that chaos, even though there was no chaos. Right. And that's mm -hmm. a huge part of that. So when it comes down to finding your relationships with somebody and bonding to somebody, if you don't go back and heal that part of yourself, you're just naturally going to be attracted to that individual for the wrong reasons, which is another reason we can't really trust the feelings, the sparks, the attraction, right? It's like, yeah, you the really chemistry have to, yeah, you have to go about it so much more of a, I know it just sounds so unromantic, almost a business partnership relationship. Yeah. Like, how do you look on paper? How do you show up for me when I'm hurting? How, when things are hard, what is your response, right? Yeah. Are you really chaotic yourself? Are you really quick to snap at somebody? How do you treat those around you? Well, because it definitely comes down to their character, right? Like our co yeah. character and compatibility, those are the things in a person that's going to determine the longevity of this relationship and how happy you can be. Yes, then maybe you you really connect on a chemistry level, then maybe physically, maybe like intellectually, maybe lifestyle-wise, you know, where like, oh, I just love our life together. We have so much fun. You know, there's so much showering of all of these amazing things that I feel like I deserve because my life has been so hard. And then 
but what about all of those underlying pieces that are going to sustain when the chemistry isn't as as fiery as it once was? And I think, yeah, even in my case, when I noticed myself pushing away what I truly wanted, that's when I was like, I, I'm going to wreck this for myself if I don't be careful. Yeah. I'm going to ruin this. And this is what I want. And so being able to be open to coming around to that, I think is so huge in ourselves to be able to say, oh, I recognize my pattern. I recognize what my what my subconscious is trying to do. And yeah. I don't want that. So I need to be open to working on how I can receive what all of these things that I know I want from this person who wants to give them to me. So good. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It takes a lot though, right? Like it's a lot of work. <laughs> it, it is. It is. But it's, and another, like another thing is that like w- there is no destination. Mm-hmm. And so don't be like, oh, I can't ever date because, <laughs> because I, because I have, you know, I still have a lot of work to do on myself. I mean, obviously give yourself some time to grieve, give yourself time alone and to truly heal and know yourself right from whatever relationship you're recovering from, but get back out there and start to learn more about yourself in these interactions you have with other people, you know, and give yourself a chance to continue to grow the right peep, the right person is going to be with you on that journey. Mm-hmm. They're going to be able to be there for you on that journey and you're going to feel safe and you're going to be able to be vulnerable and vice versa. So, yeah. yeah. And I think the only way you're going to really learn is if you get back out there and try, we cannot practice right. and really find what we're looking for unless we really try to try practice these skills in, in relationships, because yep. we have to be able to, to do that in our regular lives. Um, I just, I just love this. Of course, you know, know, you and I could talk about this all day long. (laughs) (laughs) We definitely could. Yeah. But thank you so much for joining us today. Um, And before we go, I just want you to let everyone know where they can find you. Yep. So, um, I mean, you can find me on Facebook. Um, I'm Katie May, M-A-E. You can find my free uh, marriage uh, group for women and that's marriage support um, and that's marriage empowered. Uh, And that's, you can also find me on Instagram at marriage empowered. Most of my content is covered in my free marriage group, as well as my podcast, the Katie May show. Amazing. Thank you so much, girl. Thanks for being here. Thanks really for good to me. see you. Yeah. Good to see you too. It was so fun. So fun. And thanks everyone for listening. See you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Divorce Redefined, changing the experience of divorce. We hope Cindy and her guests were able to put your mind at ease and help you make the right decision for your marriage. We wish you a beautiful week. All of us know that it is next to impossible to make rational, logical, and even smart decisions from a place of fear. Most times, if we are in a place of fear and uncertainty, we won't make a decision at all. Cindy Stibbard, founder of Divorce Redefined, professional divorce and decision coaching, supports many individuals and couples at this stage who are unhappy and unfulfilled, who are either currently in the process of divorce or just only contemplating the idea of separation. Does this sound like you? If it does, you are not alone. Text DIVORCE to 602-200-6446 to book your free call. 
Those who choose to work with Cindy are wise and brave enough to realize that they need to know more before they're able to make such a big life decision. Working with a divorce and decision coach at these stages is the smartest investment you could make for yourself and your family. And it will almost always set you up for a better outcome, whether you choose the path of divorce or not. There have even been many individuals and couples who have decided to give their marriage another shot after working with Cindy. Because what she offers at Divorce Redefined is different. You don't have to only be getting a divorce to benefit from her professional guidance. Cindy offers a unique element in addition to her popular divorce services called Decision Coaching. Decision coaching is a type of guided support that is meant to help couples get out of that indecision purgatory. Modeled after her training at the Doherty Relationship Institute, Cindy Stibbard's decision coaching approach is specifically designed to do just that, help couples come to a decision, whether to take one more shot at reconciliation or whether it's better to prepare for divorce. Regardless of the direction taken, couples on the brink finally find the clarity and confidence to know whatever they decide, it is what's best for their family. As a divorce and decision coach and certified divorce specialist, Cindy Stibbard is an advocate of healthy relationships, whether a couple chooses to separate or try to stay together. She provides new insights, education, guidance, emotional support, and understanding of the many possible options for both individuals and couples who are in the process of uncoupling. At the end of the day, as Maya Angelou once said, when we know better, we do better. This is exactly the focus and purpose of working with Cindy. Are you considering separation or currently in the process of divorce and feeling overwhelmed, afraid, and confused about what this means for your future and that of your children? Do you want to do this right and make choices without regret? If you still aren't sure, ask yourself this. If I'm still in this exact place six months to a year from now, am I going to be okay with that? If your answer is no, Cindy is ready for you. Book a free confidential discovery call with Cindy at Divorce Redefined today. Text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446. That's text DIVORCE to 604-200-6446 to book your free discovery call today. You don't have to do this alone.